0: We are starting a series called "From This Day Forward." From this day forward, <laughs> and if you um, have said your marriage vows, you probably know. Like, wait a I was supposed to remember this one time, right? <laughs> Guys broke out into clammy sweats. Like, why? Why am I? Why am I sweating? Why? why? Oh, that's in the marriage marriage vows. Today is my twelfth year wedding anniversary, today is. I hope that's clapping for Kelly. She hasn't killed me yet. <laughs> we, you know, pray for her. Uh, she, but yeah, 12 years, 12 years uh, today. And it's, it's very exciting uh, to be married for that long. And I, I could, I told her last night, I said, I cannot believe that I am more in love with you now than I am the day that we got married. On, it's just not even in here. I'm not getting credit for this, <laughs> all right? But I, can't, I cannot believe that, that that's, that's the truth of, of our, our marriage and our relationship. And we're going to start this marriage series. It's going to go for five weeks. It's a relationship series. It's not necessarily a marriage. If you're single and you're sitting here going, stupid marriage series, calm down. There's going to be a lot of good nuggets here for you, okay? I promise and if, uh, if for everyone uh, you or Jimmy always says there's three people in relationships you're either in one you're going to be in one or you're coming out of one <laughs> right' there's, you're somewhere on that spectrum on that that curve, uh, and so we have to either get ready for a relationship we're in a relationship, and Lord knows we need help in that, or we're coming out and we're trying to debrief uh, from what went wrong, how do we get that better? what's that lo- look like for the next time? So I think there's uh application for everyone especially for uh, people who are preparing for marriage or uh, single and looking for that person. Here's the deal with um, marriages in our country right now. Christian, non-Christian, whatever. You have a 50-50 chance of it making, of it working out. 50-50. That is terrible odds. Think about anything else in your life, you are not taking 50-50 odds. Jimmy's going to get on a plane today, go back to Atlanta. (laughs) This depends on how late he is. But captain gets on, um, one of the engines is messed up. We got about a 50-50 shot of crashing on the way home. He is getting off that plane, right? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Depends on how the rest of the church service goes. No, i <laughs> uh, He's got a 50-50 chance. You don't do those odds. 50-50 chance of your marriage working out. Non- doesn't matter if you're Christian or non-Christian. 50-50 chance. That is terrible the stuff we're going to talk about the next five weeks can take your chances. This is a Harvard-documented study. Harvard. This is not a religious institution. This is not a pie-in-the-sky thing. This is Harvard. The chances go, if you do these things that we're going to talk about, go from 50-50 to 1 in 1,246. That's, that's, that's a good change. I'll take those odds, right? I want those. Still not good enough for me. I want like one in a million. But I hate it that we, we enter into marriages... I used to, when I was doing youth ministry, when I met a new kid, I automatically assumed that the kid came from a divorced family. How? That's just not, I, when I realized I was doing that, I was like, oh, that's just sad. I was realizing, okay, what's your mom's phone number? Where can I reach your dad? Same phone number. Oh, yay. Uh, so, you know, it was that kind of thing. I was shocked, like, oh, goody, kind of thing. And, and so I want to give us tools and give us a just be equipped in a marriage to say, you know what, I don't want to be a 50-50 shot. I don't want to be a coin flip away from, from losing my marriage. I want to have a vibrant marriage, a marriage that's healthy, a marriage that's good, a marriage that's God-honoring, a 1 in 246 odds instead of a 50-50. Are you with me in that? You want to know the secrets of that? Uh, the question that kind of informs that, and the question we're probably all asking is, are great marriages actually possible? Is this a unicorn thing out there where we never actually see them? Is this like, you know, we we just dream about it? I think they are. I think great marriages are possible. I do think they're hard work. Some of us come in the moment of a marriage. Some of us come in a hurt moment. Some of us come from all different stories right now. Some of us have a lot of baggage, a lot of junk we're dealing with. And there's a book in the Bible called Lamentations, The modern-day translation of a lamentation is cranky pants, all right? Prophet Jeremiah is writing—that's biblical right there. I learned that in my master's classes. Um, Prophet Jeremiah is cranky. He is depressed, really. Well, if you spent like a year in a cistern, you would probably, you know, feel cranky as well. But that's where this guy comes from, and he's just looking around, ugh. The people, ugh. And he's just depressed, depressed, depressed. And that's where we're going to get our influence for marriage at. I'm glad you guys see the irony in that as well. Um, limitations 3, 19-23 says, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. Sounds a whole lot like marriage to some of us. I will remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Maybe that finds you today. But wait. Yet, this I call to mind. Therefore, I have hope because of the Lord's great love. We are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning and great is your faithfulness. The compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. That is the part we need to focus in on in our relationships, that they are, can, we have new compassion from God every single morning. And this is something we need to replicate in our marriages. Maybe last night's argument was rough. When we wake up this morning, it's going to be new. We're going to work past that. We're going to push through. We're going to work through it all. Got five things we're going to give the whole series to you today. And then you get in bite-sized chunks, and then you're going to get to kind of dwell on more of them as we go on, all right? Today, we're going to talk about the first point, and it is this. These are the five things that take you from a 50-50 chance to a 1,246 chance, okay? These are not my stats. This is not something I just was like, oh, we're going to make up numbers, because you know me in numbers. Not something that's going to happen. This is Harvard, folks. First thing is, well, all these surveys they did, seek God. Oh, I'm sorry, I, I... this is still a point. But uh, all this, I'm getting a lot of this from the Bible. That would be my number one source. And number two source, I just wanted to state that, number two source is a book by Craig Rochelle called uh, From This Day Forward. It's available for like $6.99, I think, on Kindle, and $9.99 if you buy it from um, Amazon and real paperback. It also has a study guide to go along with it that might be offered later um, this fall in a life group format or whatnot. But if you wanted to get that for your spouse or whatever, um, <laughs> Here, honey, you need to read this. That's not, that's not what I meant. Uh, I do not encourage that. If you're wondering, that's a great idea. No, it's not. It is not a good idea. You say, I bought this for me. Would you like one? That's how you frame that. That's how you frame I bought this for me. Would you like one? I care. You know, Don't say, I care about our marriage. Do you? Uh, that's also not good. I bought this for me. Would you like one? Does this make sense? Okay? The fr- I'm telling you, we, we put our foot in our mouth so far and we're like, Wow, I was a jerk. I really was trying to be nice, but I'm a jerk. That's my life. I live there. I'm glad we don't have a doghouse because I would stay there. Sorry, first first thing we got to do is seek God. That's what we're going to talk about today. Seek God. Everything else rests on this. This is the foundation. So many of us in our marriages and our relationships and even in our life, we have built a house without a foundation we have really nice things, a plasma screen TV, great paint job. Oh, this is great. The fireplace is gorgeous. We have no foundation. And we wonder why things are cracking and why things are moving. And you're like, oh, what's going on? And then later in life, we go back and we're like, well, I need to pour a footer. I'm not that you know, savvy with the construction stuff, but I'm pretty sure pouring a footer after you already built the house would be very, very, very difficult. It probably can happen and jacked some things up, and I've watched some, some, some shows. That looks a lot harder than just pouring the, the foundation at first. So the first thing we need to do in our relationships to build this foundation so that it is not a 50-50 chance, but a 1 out of 1,246 1, chance, it is make a firm foundation. Seek God first. We're going to talk about more of that today. Second thing is huge. Huge. Fight Fair. We're going to talk about that next week, how to fight fair. Some of you are nudging people. Don't do that right now. All right? You need to learn this. Some of you at the end of this message, your ribs are going to be bruised. I apologize. You might just scoot one over. Hold your spouse's hand. Just scoot over one chair. Uh, so we need to learn how to fight fair. Fight fair. This is crucial to a marriage. Number three, have fun. Have fun. Fun. Now, this one might get a little PG-13, so if you have uh, uh, young people with you, we have amazing children's ministry uh, in the back. Um, if, if you want to have those conversations, bring them in here. That's fine. Um, but if you don't, put them in the back. Uh, the easy, easy peasy there. Um, so it's not going to be all about uh, that, but also have fun in, in there. Some of the guys are like, what day was that? I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> Where did my phone go? i got a calendar. Um, Guys, I'll send you a text reminder. It's cool. Um, (laughs) Number four is stay pure. If you want your marriage to be different than that of the world's, we have to stay pure. The standard for marriage and what we allow into our homes and what we allow into our marriages has been downgraded so much by the world that we've incorporated it in our own lives that this is vital to how we take our marriages from here so we stay pure and number five never give up never give up all right as we delve into seeking god matthew six thirty three says but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. The point here is, I forgot it. God is my one and my spouse is my two. God is, whoo, God is my one and my spouse is my two. This is crucial. God is my one and my spouse is what? God is my, my spouse is my. This is important that your spouse is two. On Many ways, a lot of us we're like, Oh, God is number one, but my kids or my hobby, or my ex is too, or my kids are number one, and my hobby's number one, and my job's number one, and money's number one, and my spouse might be number two, and God's number three. I operate under a simple leadership principle, and they remind me of this all the time what flows over the head flows over the body, what flows over the head flows over the body, which means if I want my staff to do a good job, I got to do a good job, and if I want The leaders in our church to hold to a certain standard. I gotta do a good job, therefore my staff will do a good job, and therefore the leaders in the church will do a better job. What flows over the head flows over the body. If here's here's the thing if we start with our spouses, it's not gonna flow up to God. God doesn't take a a back seat to anything. It doesn't flow down, it, it doesn't work that way. Last time I checked, water flows downhill, not up. God is my one, my spouse is my number two. That is the foundation in which we need to work on as we seek God in this. The closer we get to God, the better our relationship will be with our spouses, with, our, with everybody. This was something I struggled with in, uh, in early in our relationship with Kelly. And maybe you do it as well. And this revolutionized... Uh, our relationship. A great spouse will compliment you, not complete you. It was so profound, Bibles dropped. A great spouse will compliment you and not complete you. Think about that. Kelly compliments me wonderfully. She is great at math. I am terrible at math. She is organized. I'm creative. Let's say creative. Okay? Okay we 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 have this she's patient not so much we have these 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 things where we complement each other very very well she does not complete me that's not where i find my completion my completion is found in god and god alone your job will never complete you your hobby will never complete you money will never complete you your spouse will never complete you so if you're dating and you're 20 and you're like oh well i find this person that's going to be ready for, everything's going to be wonderful No, it won't. They complement; They do not complete. That is only God's role. The more your identity comes from God, the more you can truly be yourself. The more your identity comes from God, the more you can truly be yourself, which actually makes you more attractive. So if you're single today and you're like, how does this work? The more you know who you are and the more confidence you gain in that, the more attractive you will be. All you have to do is look back to high school. All the pretty girls went out with jerks, didn't they, guys? You remember that? <laughs> why, why did they go out with jerks? Because they were confident. They knew who you were. They might have been making it up, but they, they were confident. And that's attractive to girls. They're stupid girls, but they're attractive to girls. We're like, I'm a nice guy. Why is this? Work? Didn't know who I was. I was. I was fishing after anything. Oh, oh, Confidence. If you know who you are and your identity in Christ, be incredibly attractive to people. Desperate people are not attractive people. I will seek the one while preparing for my two. I will seek the one while preparing for my two. I will seek the one while preparing for my two. Funny thing happens is if you look at people who have long-term relationships, I bet you that they weren't looking for the person that they're in a long-term relationship with. It kind of happened like, what? I was, that was not, that was on my, you, want, you guys don't know this story, how Kelly and I started dating. Do you want to know? Okay, hopefully you do. Uh, this next five minutes is going to be boring. Um, <laughs> we met because Kelly asked me to prom. That's how, how, how it worked. Kelly did not know me. We had not gone on a date. We were not in a relationship. It's her senior prom. Her and her boyfriend of two years had broken up about four weeks earlier. And she's going, I'm not going to go to my senior prom. Every girl's nightmare, right? Uh, and so there's this big deal going on. Oh, my goodness, what's going to happen? And her little sister is in German class with me. She's like, I know this guy. He's pretty crazy. He would be a fun prom date. She, I like that was my reputation. He would be a fun prom date. He'd be a fun, fun prom date. Why don't you ask him? So Kelly, the senior, and I'm a junior, asked me to prom. And I say, hold on a second. I'd already asked another girl, and she was waiting on that answer. So that was my, my uh, actually, on the thing that I got her phone number from, there's this little card. It has one girl's phone number on the uh, one side, and Kelly's on the other, because I was waiting from the first one. <laughs> I was like, I, we were not in a dating relationship. This was not, I wasn't trying to be a jerk at all at that, well, that, not really. And um, it just worked out. And, and this, through these weird circumstances of events, finally I was like, okay, yeah, we, uh, we can go to prom. And so about a week later, I was like, you know, we probably should go on a date before, we, before I spend $200 on you. Uh, basically <laughs> is what my brain was thinking. Because uh, this is going to be a long night if I don't even like you. Um, and so uh, there that started our relationship 16 years ago was prom. And we've been together ever since. Um, I wasn't looking for someone. I'd gotten out of a long-term relationship. I was just looking to have fun. I didn't care. I was just excited to be at prom. And uh, Kelly was the same way. She's like, I heard he was a nice guy, and he's going to be goofy at prom, so this will be fun. He'll actually dance with me. Um, and so there's, there's that. And that's how our relationship started. We weren't looking for it. We are trying to figure out who we were in the whole thing. I think this is also true in our relationships for us today. Um, as we focus in, as we draw closer to number one, As we prepare for number two, as we get figured out who we are in Christ, then we're open. And God does some weird things where he's like, oh, you're going to focus in on me now? Now you're at a place where I can interject this other person in your life. I see that over and over and over again. Finally, uh, on this week, I will seek one with my two. I will seek the one with my two. We're going to spend the rest of the time talking about how to do this well. This is a tricky thing, and this is probably pretty... Um, exciting to you, and probably guys are like, I don't know what this is going to mean. I'm not talking about, guys. I don't do this very well. Um, I will seek the one with my two. And how do we do that? How does that look? So we're going to spend the rest of the time with that. Uh, remember, these are changing your odds from 50-50 to 1 out of 1,246. Are you with me still? So we're going to ask you to stretch you. But I want better odds. I'm trying to help you here. Trying to save your marriage here. The first thing is pray together. What? Come on, Jared. Pray together. Yep. This one's difficult. This one's weird. This one's get that. You already thought about it and you're like, butterflies are already going in your stomach. I don't gotta pray out loud? How is this going to work? Okay, I'll I'll walk you through that here. James 5, uh, 16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Work this into your daily life. You should not go a day without praying for your spouse, whether they hear it or not. Lord, help him because I'm going to kill him. That's not the prayer I'm talking about. All right, I'm talking about just praying for him. God, I hope, I hope that they, uh, you know, as he goes off to work today, that he is effective and he can be a light and the stress for his boss is putting on him. Lord, I just ask you to take that away from him that he could prepare for those conversations, blah, 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 You can pray for that holding each other's hands. There's gonna be a level of intimacy that develops there that you won't even know what to do with. So much so if you're single and you're praying with somebody, do it in a public place because something, a heart connection is happening. In, in this beautiful prayer, intimate moment where you're shedding your deepest cares for that person out loud to God. Now, this is something, we, Kelly and I don't do this all the time. We pray for each other all the time. But pray out loud to, to each other, very not, not enough, I'll be honest with you, not enough. But we pray together. Pray for each other. I remember the most I, I ever prayed for Kelly out loud all the time was when the babies were born. And um, it was, Lord, I pray for her to heal after giving birth to twins. Lord, I pray for her postpartum, pray against postpartum depression. Lord, I pray that she has the energy to uh, deal with these kids, that nursing will go well, that all this stuff, you know, all the crazy stuff. As a, I felt so helpless. In that time and I was like, I can do two o'clock feedings because I'm a night owl, and I can pray. <laughs> that's like that's that's about all the extent of what I can do during pet rock phase. All right? And so I'm doing the best I possibly can here. And so I just remember praying and praying and praying and praying and praying and praying for her in these moments. And then when she had maternity leave was up and she had to go back to, to school. You know that my prayers ratcheted up because that was like, oh, what do I (laughs) do, you know, type thing. Like, oh, Lord, that she would just have enough time in the day to to be the professional that she wants to be, but be the mom that she's dreaming about. And we find ourselves in places, I think, with our spouses and even uh, in our our relationships where we need to be praying laser-focused, not about the person we're in a relationship with, but for the person we're in a relationship with. Do you see the difference? About the person is, Lord, help their their, hard-heartedness. And it's it's a complaining session with God. I don't want to pray like that to God about my spouse or about anybody. I want to pray for them. Pray the best for them. And something will happen in your heart and something will happen in their heart at the same time. Pray for your future person. For single people out there. Pray for your future person. It's never too early to start praying for them. You might have a face in your mind. You might not even know, but God, asks ask you to prepare my heart for that, and I ask you to prepare their heart, the decisions they make, the decisions I make, that I'm not hurting a future relationship that we can have. Pray for your spouse even if they don't pray. Prayer is not an equal opportunity issue. It is always available to everyone. Just pray for them. Not at, but for. Number two, remember fifty fifty to one thousand two hundred forty six. Deuteronomy six uh, six through seven says these commandments I give you today are to be upon your hearts and press them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. It's this: discuss the Bible together. Discuss the Bible together. This might be scary. I understand that. Kelly and I, uh, we did not do a good job. We generally keep our devotional life separate. We've tried to put it together, tried to put it together, tried to put it together. It was a train wreck every single time. Okay. My classes in college were Romans, Psalms, exegetical methods of the Old Testament. Hey, Kelly, you want to study the Bible together? Here's the perfectionist, you know, Victorian candidate. No. Because she's intimidated, I can't. I'm not gonna do that. So she got intimidated. When she got intimidated, she would close down, and it basically, I was like, I don't want to preach at you, and so it just never really worked. And so what we found over the years is that we discuss um, things that we we're learning separately. So and this just comes up in daily conversations. She listens to a bunch of different pastors online, apparently because she's tired of hearing me, and uh, so. <laughs> But she'll come back, this nugget, uh, what do you think about this? Or something's like, I don't know about that. That seems a little weird. Um, And we'll discuss it. We'll talk about it. And it's great. And then when I'm all excited about something I learned preparing a message or just in my own daily reading, it's like, hey, what do you think about this? Because she's hardly ever in here. She's always in the back. Which, by the way, this summer, if you have an extra week to give back in the back, we have a lot of vacancies in our child care and our children's ministry. So I'd love for you to sign up for a second week. That's for you, babe. Um, but she's always back there. So I get to kind of give her a mini message, and I hone that craft and say, all right, I was all over the place, but I'm telling Kelly in 30 seconds what my message is about. What's that going to be about? And so we have this dialogue and this discussion of what's God doing in our life? How's he working on us? What's that going on? In the plane, to, uh, from back home from, uh, from Florida last week, Kelly is all across the aisle because we're southwest, so we're all split up. And she's like, Hey! what do you think about this? Like everybody around us can hear it And we're yelling these Bible questions back and forth. That was not preplanned or trying to evangelism. It wasn't. I wish I could say, oh, we're being very holy on the plane. We weren't. She's like, hey, what do you think? I was like, all right, babe. <laughs> Total, totally not Kelly on that one, but it happened. Um, but this daily conversation of what uh, the Bible's doing. The first thing on how to discuss the Bible together is you have to read the Bible. Write that one down right there, Dominic. I know you're at Notre Dame and everything. That's important. Number three, attend church together. I'm not plugging for, for more attendance. I'm plugging for one out of 246, or 1,246. told you, I'm bad at math. I, these numbers were written down in the Harvard study. I know they're right, Okay. Attend church together. And guess what? This makes the discussion. If you were going, I don't, you know, getting stuff out of the Bible or the devotions or even the, uh, the the life groups that we have going on here, those are great things to start this conversation with. But it's easier. The easier step is when you go to lunch today, you go, what did you think about what Jared said? That guy's full of junk. I don't know. That's okay. You're talking about spiritual things. Okay? Let's start. Start there. That's the easiest way. Oh wow, that, that point really stood out to me. Not to I want people thinking about my I do want people thinking about what God's part of their message. This is not an ego trip. It is to say this is easy. This is an easy first step. Oh, yeah, okay. If you're dating someone, they come to church. Guess what you get to do? At lunch, you get to talk about it. You don't have people interrupting you. You get to start doing those things. What does this look like? I've been writing um, graduation letters to some of my former students. Now, one of the things I said is, when you start dating, invite the girl to church. If she says no, go to get a different girl. Because either she's going to be like, this dude's awesome, and he wants to go to church, or this guy's weird. And I don't want to deal with the weird. That was just my sage, you know, advice right there. Attend church together. Become a we-don't-miss kind of family. Become a we don't miss kind of family because I'm not you know, we're trying to change your odds here. I heard this this week and I thought this was just really impressive. Stay at home parents, don't raise, go to church kind of kids. And I think we can universally agree we want our kids to go to church. Stay at home parents, don't raise, go to church kind of kids. Luke 4.16 says, He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. This is Jesus Christ, God incarnate, going to church. If he thought it was a value, I'm pretty sure it should be ours. It's not a giant leap, I don't think, uh, for us. But something happens when you're going to church together. You're making a statement together. You're sitting together. And I know some of us were volunteering in different places I get that, but sometimes when those, those stars align, you guys need to make the, every effort to be in church together. Talk about what's going on. If your spouse is serving somewhere else on a Sunday morning, guess what you get to do? You get to download what you read and what you heard on Sunday morning into your spouse. You get, that is a ready-made conversation just sitting on a platter for you to talk about spiritual things. Remember, talk for them not at them, especially if it's one of those messages you're like, man, I wish Chris was in here, right? I want to step on their toes. I wish Chris was here. Finally, Psalm 127.1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord builds the house, its labors build in vain. This is going back to what I opened up with. If your foundation is not seeking God first, your walls are going to crack. You're going to have issues. All kinds of stuff is going to go wrong. Your plumbing is going to break. Nasty things are going to happen. Unless your foundation is found in God, this marriage thing is going to be really, really hard. The number one essential of healthy relationships is living a God-first life. The number one essential of a healthy relationship is living a God-first life. All these things, maybe I, I want to I caution you against going, man, we haven't been doing this for 10, 15 years. Oh, I wish I, wish I would have heard these things earlier. Listen, the title of this message and series is From This Day Forward. The past is in the past. From this day forward, we're going to do these things. Because I want to change your odds. From being a 50-50 in your your relationship, ending in a divorce, to a 1 in 1,246. The essential part is to living a God-first kind of life. When your priorities align with God being first, the rest starts to fall into place. My dad always talks about a triangle. And if the closer the two people come together uh, in God, the closer they come to each other over and over again, that's been burned into my head over and over again. The closer we get to God, the closer we get to each other. And it's true. The number one essential of a healthy relationship is living a God-first kind of life. Let me say something of caution. And this happened to me last night. Whenever we talk about marriages, this is one of the things that Satan loves to destroy. This is like... Numero uno of ways to mess Christians up. Last night, I'm preparing this message. And I would have sworn to you, my kids fell to the dark side. (laughs) Like, I was just like shaking. I was like, uh, mm -hmm." they're driving me absolutely bonkers. I was getting so irrationally mad. I'm So mad, I set a timer for myself and for my son. So at the end of that five minutes, one of us was going to die. I didn't know which. <laughs> right? And maybe you've been there. And in that five minutes, I was glad I, God let me set that timer. And in that five minutes, he said, Jared, you, you're, you're, you're writing a message about marriage. And I said, Satan? I just started laughing. I was like, Satan, in Jesus' name, get away from me. Satan, in Jesus' name, get away from me. Because this is what happens. When we start working on marriage, your, your kids are going to go to the dark side. Our today is going to be terrible. The service is going to be horrible. It's great there, by the way. But uh, it's going to be terrible. You're going to be mad. The, the, bar- the vanilla root beer won't work. And you're like, I can have regular root beer, but I can't have vanilla root beer. And you're just going to get mad. I tell you in this moment, just laugh and say, Satan, in Jesus' name, get away from me and my marriage. I'm telling you, if you, if you commit for the next five weeks to start working on your marriage like this, you will be attacked in ways you didn't even know. And you'll be mad, irrationally mad at stupid stuff. Just, I'm just telling you. This week, test it. You start working on your marriage, you're mad at your spouse, go, hmm, there's no reason to be mad right now. My kids are being just kids. They're just goofing off. Satan, I'm telling you guys, Satan, get away from me in Jesus' name. You got to put that Jesus' name in there because Satan will just laugh at you. But in Jesus' name, get away from me, Satan. I'm telling you, folks, you guys go through this week. If you don't take anything else away from this week, if you're going to work on your marriage, you've got to protect yourself spiritually. Some of you are fighting for your relationships right now. Some of you are, are, are wanting to get this right. And as I close today, I, w- I want to focus in on that last point. Making God first. That he's got to be the foundation of our relationships. He's got to be the foundation of our lives for the rest of this to work, to change our odds from 50 to 50 to 1, 1, 1,246. Today, as we just close our heads in prayer, the band comes up. Today, maybe you know you need that fresh start. You need that basis in which to operate. You need to say, God, I want you to be my first. I've made so many other things my second. God, I want you to be my first. If today is a day and you need to recommit to that, you need to commit to it for the first time, I just want you to pray this prayer with me. God, I know I've messed up, but I want you to be my first. God, I ask you to take all of me in this moment. Take my relationships. Let them be God-honoring. Let them be beautiful in your eyes. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.